Welcome, welcome, welcome to On Day with Tony and Ken, where we talk about the nerdy things that make us who we are. This is episode 11. Tony, we are one above our uh, 10 milestone. How are we doing? How you doing? I'm feeling great, man. We're still doing this. I feel very, very proud of uh, proud of us. Like, you know, we uh, had a target and we've set, set, we stuck to it. And um, yeah, that's, you know, that's the only thing you could do. It's all about keeping going keeping consistent and i hope uh, we can keep uh, keep doing that and get to our year's anniversary but ken as of recording this episode it is valentine's day so for all Ooh. of the lovers out there ken i'm using my deep radio voice you know my sexy oh, that, voice that, that morgan freeman voice right oh, yes. that god voice yeah coming to you live uh-huh. late night on 5.6 fm so for the ladies out there ken tell me what did you do for your special lady well, Tony, um, I feel like you should turn that voice off. There are children that listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not trying to make more babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not all jokes aside. Yeah, yeah. Um, my Valentine, I, uh, me and me and my girl, we spend a bit of time together. Mm-hmm. You know, socially distanced. Socially distanced. We 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 don't do anything relatively big for Valentine's. All we do is just get each other. Yeah. Uh, small tokens which oh. usually comes in the form of food. are you sure are you <laughs> sure you don't have a, a big token um not this year uh oh, <laughs> not this poor year guy suffering with yeah. a small token um I, I feel like it's just non-existent at the moment unfortunately That's but no um what we do is <laughs> what we do is just you know either the small tokens usually have a card or a very very personal gift yes like um one year she got me um a wakandan chessboard oh look at you representing for the wakandans out there i mean i was i was i was so happy <laughs> Ibombe. Yeah. but no like we we, we um we didn't do anything too uh, massive mm-hmm. what i got her well i didn't get her anything um i didn't pay for anything yeah uh, i instead made a small comic book strip Ooh. of a very interesting interaction we had at one point, it is Hamilton infused or Hamilton inspired. Okay. Because she likes Hamilton. I finally yeah. gave in and watched it and realized it wasn't a bad show. And de- wait, I'd- hold on. It wasn't. I- I'm going to let you finish here, but Hamilton is amazing. And you will, you will not do well by saying it was. it's an okay show. Okay, Ken? I will cut you. I say was- I didn't say it was an okay show, Tony. I said it, it-, it wasn't a bad show. Like, That's I- not I enjoyed good enough. It. It's Hamilton. <laughs> Oh, Tony, you sound like a gatekeeper for certain fan bases. Saying, What's going on here? Have you heard the song, Wait For It? Yeah. It's an amazing song. Enough said. Anyway, carry on with your story. <laughs> yeah, so I made a small comic book uh, strip. Uh, we're going to post it on the social media, just mm-hmm. if, in case anyone wants to uh, view it and feel deep hate or desire for me. Yes. Um, but no, it's um, it, was, it was quite fun. It took mm-hmm. me a couple of hours, you know, We've we, we may not have articulated it in our podcast, but me and Tony are people that found appreciation in comic books, and therefore that translated to the things that we are into, which is yeah. like making comic book strips or full blown uh, graphic novels, as if uh, like Tony has been doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's fun. Had a bit of food at a distance, exchange cards, and peace out. You know, yeah. <laughs> boy, See, Sunday's that- done. That is beautiful right there. Like, you know, that expression of love. And, you know, it took effort, you know. But you know what? Something that doesn't take a lot of effort, just going on to our SoundCloud or whatever platform you listen to our podcast on, give us a like, give us a follow, 
you know, leave us a comment. It doesn't take any effort. You're not building a little comic book strip for your loved one. You're just showing your appreciation for us and what we do. And hopefully we entertain you enough that you feel like, you know, you poke us with a little, a little follow, a little, a little like, a little, a little comment. But um, with on, thumbs up. Yeah. You know, wh- whatever you do on the platform that you're on, just, you know, show us some love. We would appreciate it because we appreciate you listening to us. But on that note, do you know what I did? valentine's day what did you do did so, you uh put it did, did, did you do the uh cliche thing that i've seen some people joke about online where this? uh the same christmas gift as yeah. the same birthday gift which is just you put a bow on your naked body oh snap see none of that right that's um unfortunately it's close to that period of a certain time of month uh so i shouldn't be saying that just in case my girlfriend listens to it she's like why are you talking about business for man no nah, she's gonna um, fight you when you get off this podcast because oh <laughs> i'm god. gonna tell her oh my god <laughs> uh but no essentially uh when we met we actually uh met uh pretty close to valentine's day so me being the idiot i am not really remembering at the time when valentine's day is exactly i decide to say hey why don't we make our anniversary the 17th of uh feb not realizing that uh valentine's is only a few days before that so she she says to me (laughs) she's not somebody that typically celebrates valentine's day and we don't have to do anything we can just focus on on our anniversary so i thought like cool you know what that sounds all right. Little did Tone. she know, I lied to her face. Yes, I lied to good. my girlfriend. That's not a good, good thing. But I did it. So <laughs> um, what I did, um, I got her a giant-sized card, um, a, a bouquet of roses, and a little plushy toy. Like, it was these pears together, and it's like, you know, a wonderful pair. It's like a cute little, a cute little pun. Um send that to her but you know what though um the courier services screwed me so i set a specific date for when it was supposed to be delivered i knew it could have been a madness by sending uh, setting the date to valentine's day on the dot because obviously everybody's going to be doing that so i thought uh, do it before worst case scenario it's uh, ends up late and it's like the day before the day of um i i set the date i think the 12th just to give me that wiggle, wiggle room what these guys decided to do is that they send a plushy toy on the 8th of February. They end up sending the card on the, um, I believe it was the 12th. No, the, the flower, sorry, they sent the flowers on the 12th of February and the card came on the 13th. And I'm like, you sons of bitches. You just, you just you, ruined you, you messed it up. everything. <laughs> so she's sending me messages. Oh, babe, you're so sweet. Thank you for the, for the plushie toy. And I'm thinking like, yeah, damn right. Thank you. Wait, just the plushie toy? What about, what about everything else? It's like, what do you mean everything else? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Aww. Yep, I just got you a plushie toy. Uh, but yeah, that was it. Uh, so um, it's going to the comments, people, you know, for all of those listening. Tell me, tell me. Tell us if you will have have a significant other or a uh, a love interest. Uh, what did you do for them? Uh, how did you show your romance? Or do you not believe yeah. in in Valentine's Day? You know, again, it is a manufactured thing. But this episode is not about Valentine's Day. We could have done that. We no, could have done not. the cliche of Valentine's Day. But given the fact that it is the Chinese Lunar uh, New Year and also Black History Month, we are talking about Asian versus western cinema and also the effect of nollywood and bollywood cinema on the world 
So it's interesting that you said that about mm-hmm. what today, because people have taken this um, uh, this day to mean different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not in the wider aspect of like oh a deeper meaning of anything. I just mean different things happen on Sunday. So just like you said. Uh, today's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um. People watching the highlights. It's probably people watching the Premier League. So, like, people watching the highlights. People are um waiting for the next uh uh, uh Shingeki no Kyojin uh, episode uh, Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Like every Sunday, I don't know if you see it in on Instagram or TikTok or anywhere, but people go crazy on a Sunday. Yeah. Every single Sunday now for Attack on Titan, and I'm there with them. For sure, yeah. It it just be, it's become the routine now. Where every Sunday afternoon, people are just <laughs> blaring the theme tune mm-hmm. and uh, watching it, and therefore talking to, talking about it not long after it airs. Yeah. So yeah, the, a lot. I guess a lot is happening on the Sunday. Yeah. Because no one's really able to celebrate Valentine's like they uh, usually do. Yeah. It, but it, no, like you said, it yeah. is a strange one. You know, obviously the world being in the turmoil that it is. You know. Um, you have to be a bit more creative with your, you know, your your levels of affection. If you do participate in Valentine's Day, there's people out there that look at Valentine's Day as a commercial scheme. But um, at the end of the day, it's what it means to you and how you feel about the other person. You can tell somebody you love them every single day of the year. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but it's um, it's part of the fun. You know, it's like it's like yeah. Christmas. You know, Jesus wasn't literally born on Christmas Day, but we still do it because we're all pagans. So it's fine. Uh, But (laughs) let's get into it. So Asian cinema, right? So um, recently, um, a movie's come out on Netflix called The Yin Yang Master. And uh, it's something that I've watched, I actually enjoyed. um, And obviously it focused very heavily on, you know, uh, Chinese history and mythology. And it's really cool because it's one of those ones that's like, I think Asian cinema has been around for a very long time. Um, and it's it's had this this growth of like being mostly the chop socky kung fu, pow, pow, pow film. But it's branched off into many things that is actually appealing more to the West these days than it used to. It's like it's it's no longer as niche as it used to be. Like anime, like we talked on a previous episode, um, Asian cinema is like a force to be reckoned with. But um, before we get into the, the movies that we watch, Ken, can you think about stuff in the past, like movies in the past, like Asian films um, that have really stuck with you? Uh, on what they are. Could you tell, uh, tell, tell the people about it? Well, there's one big one that mm-hmm. everyone knows about. That's the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. For me, that was one of the first uh, cultural Chinese films that I had seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also one of the most popular ones that almost anyone would say. I said everyone's yeah. top five of when they think about that type of film. Yeah. And I enjoyed it for, uh, for a bunch of different reasons. Mm-hmm. The... The cult, it, they, they really showed the culture or the depicted culture of the time mm. uh, where it was filled with honor, where uh, people were a lot more, uh, well, it felt very serious mm-hmm. in, in how people dealt with things. But yeah. it also showed the creativity of, of Chinese cinema. Yeah. Uh, mainly because of, as anyone who has watched it, the wiring, the wire work the uh, effects that they used, the practical effects that they used mm-hmm. and the minimal amount of uh, CG or I don't know if there was any CG. Yeah. With, actually, I think there was with just one scene. I think the ending, I'm not going to mm-hmm. ruin it for anyone. 
Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed the aspect of it because mm. it showed, and, and you know, we've talked about it before, like when we were talking about Lupin, yeah. Um, how, you know, we've, we've seen Western or American type TV shows slash films and British slash uh, TV show mm. uh, and films uh, from Britain. And then we talk about the French and then it, it, you, you could feel differences. There was slight differences. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a major difference from the traditional Chinese type films to what we see currently nowadays yeah. with um, Western, French, British, American, whatever type films. And yeah. there has been a progression of it. And it's it's even more evident inside that film, Crouch, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Because of, you know, how do you do a lot? It, that there's a level of uh, suspending disbelief with yeah. some of the fantastic things that they were doing. Yeah. But it felt like, you know, if you took all that, those things out, yeah. it felt like a period piece. A period piece with people flying through the air yeah. dangling on a single grain of sand or a single leaf yeah. at the top of a tree so personally i but think yeah, man. all uh, period pieces should be handled like that you know honestly pride and prejudice will be so much better if all of those people were flying around um i think is actually technically <laughs> historically accurate uh but on that same note yeah. though of crouching tiger hidden dragon i was always in the other camp right so during that period of time it was the hot thing to do the crouching tiger hidden dragon kind of daily like uh it's referred to as wuxia that kind of style of like leaps and ball- balletic bounces through the air and water is like wuxia and yeah everybody like uh loved crouching tiger hidden dragon like ang lee's tour de force this beautiful beautiful epic uh you know love story as well i was always more into house of flying daggers that movie like when i saw i thought to myself this movie is crazy like the cinematography was nuts the uh the character the characters portrayals like there's one common theme that you see a lot in these um if you want to call it period piece wuxia movies is like this sense of deep respect and honor like there's there's no other personality besides like i am very very somber and respectful i will kill you but i will do it in a somber respectful way i will hate you but i'll do it in a somber and respectful way yeah you know and it's like you always see that it's like those other films like um what's the bruce lee one i think it's not bruce lee Jet Li. it was hero i never really liked hero hero because i thought it oh i loved hero I liked Hero in a sense that it was more interested in the visuals than it was in telling a coherent story. That's one of the themes that I've noticed about a lot of Asian films. It could be the case of things being missing in translation because obviously we we are not speakers of Mandarin or Cantonese or Japanese or you know most Asian languages, if not all. Uh, so we rely on things like dubbing or uh, subtitles, which are localized. So there might be things like metaphors that are completely lost on us because they don't fully translate or are completely edited out for the benefit of another territory. Uh, hence, yeah. you know, the difference between Asian versus Western cinema. There's certain things thematically and story-wise that work in one territory that don't necessarily work in another territory. I think one common thing that I see in things like Crouching Tiger, Hidden, ja- um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, House of Flying Daggers, Hero, is that stoicness right every character is stoic mm, every character yeah. is like i'm calm you know i am con- i'm always contemplating something and even in moments of anger it's like i need to suppress myself and maybe it's part of the culture that 
expressions of deep emotion was considered taboo and disrespectful and that's how they're they're portraying it but you see a lot to the point where it's kind of you can consider it one note that everybody is kind of the same there's like you never have the comic relief you know western cinema is always like that you have to have type sometimes it's detrimental where i think sometimes with asian cinema they figured out the way uh the subtle art of nuance right most characters kind of expressing the same way but they have their unique story they have their their background what motivates them what is their mission statement and through that it expresses who what their personality really is if they're not necessarily saying it it's the show don't tell rule right whereas yeah yeah in america american or if you want to call it western it's like you play to type this is the nerd this is the comic relief this is the jock the good looking guy this is the good looking girl this is the girl that's completely ugly until you take off the glasses and god damn she's beautiful you know that's their personalities that's it there's nothing else there's no backstory there's you know you know and i think hollywood's gotten better at that you know um i've watched something recently a couple of films uh i will say this i think hollywood uh was really great at it around the i say before the 90s where there was a push for more thrillers and personal stories like i watched um friday night lights which i think is one of the best sports stories uh movies ever shown where it's like yeah sure it's about american football but you're finding out all of these messed up stuff about these players and what they're going through it's like they have their traits of like, this is the funny guy. This is the arrogant guy. This is the the sad guy. But you find out why this guy is arrogant. You find out why this guy is the funny guy. You find out this why this one is the quiet guy. And it's, mm-hmm. it's deeper than just like, hey, football. It's like, no, football is this town's culture. You don't matter unless you play for the football team. This town doesn't exist outside of the success of this high school football team so the arrogant guy is arrogant because he comes from the poor part of texas where the only way for him to get out is to play football and he is the best on his team and uh, literally he has nothing but his his uncle who raised him and it's almost like his arrogance hides from his insecurity and I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think Asian cinema does that well as well, where it's like the character's quiet, but it's almost through his action and his movements and his subtle dialogue where you find out there's deeper meaning to this guy than his ass kickery. Yes, he will destroy you with his fist of fury. But where did the fist of fury come from? You know, was his dad the original fist of fury? And those fists of fury furiously beat his ass. So he was traumatized and became the new Fist of Fury. It's things like that that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I think we noticed that a lot in because the pacing in some of these old older films mm-hmm. uh, is relatively slow. We do get very nice, beautiful action set pieces. Yeah. Um, but it's during those slow moments we get to have exactly what you just said. Yes. We got to, we get that character development, or we get to see that character development. Just like you said, even though the characters are mainly stoic and quite, yes. you know, played very straight. No, almost like. It's a, they got like a, a counter for how many times they're allowed to smile or yes. emote. But because uh, we have a lot of room to actually develop the story, mm-hmm. that's where we get to see uh, these characters, which is a very weird contrast to some of the later on Chinese type films mm-hmm. like um, Ip Man, which is, has, is still an amazing cultural series of films, mm-hmm. but it is played not as straight. It's, there is a lot of room for comedy, which we do see, yeah. um, which we see a lot from 
uh, Jackie Chan from when he came up. And we're going to get into Jackie Chan, hopefully, in a bit. Yeah. But um, when we see, for example, like Ip Man um, and seeing what Jackie Chan has done in the past, they use um, the fight scenes or the action for the comedic and to tell a visual story as well mm-hmm. of what's going on. Um, and you see that transition. Oh, but maybe it's happening at the same time. Like, I guess it's different scales because mm. Jackie Chan has had a lot of films from the past or there's been a lot of comedic, beautifully um, shot uh, films. Yeah. But then you have the films that get played straight and you kind of see that in the West as well. Yeah. You have films that take themselves incredibly serious. Yeah. And when and there's only a few that have taken themselves incredibly serious where it's like, yeah, this is a film that everyone loves because, you know, it's it's a very serious film. Yeah. And then you get other films that take itself way too serious and then it's a bit of a mess that's the thing but, but yeah, that's, you, a, that's a key still thing that with economy. a yeah. lot of Asian cinema a lot of it can take itself very self-serious and it's almost mm-hmm. unfortunate like through maybe through dubbing poor dubbing um, or poor translation where it's almost become like sometimes it can become a parody of itself you know like the, the common things that you'll see but we'll get into that but let's start off talking about the yin yang master uh recent movie released on uh netflix uh it's a story of uh many centuries ago in china where a malevolent serpent demon uh manifests uh and is uh, about to destroy the world and it's powered by all of the desires of man and these four uh, what's known as masters gather together each one each of them kind of trained in their own speciality uh they've been gathered together to eventually trap the uh demon seal it away um to protect the world but where it gets uh, a bit more complicated is that there's machinations going on because one of the masters uh has actually been assassinated he's been replaced by another master and it creates a certain air of um What's the word? Mistrust. Uh, these people don't know each other from um, Adam, but they're expected to trust each other enough to defeat this this you know powerful demon that could destroy the world. Also, while that's happening, there's this intertwining love story and almost a bromance at the same time. Uh, and it's one of those ones. It's one of the most unique um, kind of of that style period piece fantasy Asian movies I've seen in a long time, where it's actually. It does the typical trope of taking itself serious, very stoic, moments of levity and comedy, and also moments of multiple storylines intertwining in a pretty pretty cool way. Now, it does have some problems, mind you, but I thought it was a pretty cool movie. And also, probably the closest thing I'll ever see to actually the Naruto the movie. Like, we'll get into why, but it has (laughs) some of the greatest special effects and action set pieces that I've ever seen. And also, interesting enough, certain visuals, I don't know whether is a common Asian motif that Marvel adopted to use for things like Doctor Strange or whether Doctor Strange inspired this movie in its visuals. Uh, Ken, did you did you watch the Yin Yang Master? No, no. I heard about it. I've seen quite a few pictures on it mm-hmm. and it looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Some of the set pieces that I have seen. Yeah. Um, I I know nothing beyond what you've just told me. And it sounds like an incredibly cool premise. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, all right, cool. We have a problem. Mm-hmm. We're going to band together the best of the best, the baddest of the best yeah. to take on this thing to hopefully save the world. And there's a bit of like friendship and a bit of love and romance. So therefore there's a bit more stakes. You know, it sounds like a nice little adventure yeah. type action film. Yeah. Um, and 
you know it's something that I'm, I'm definitely uh down for yeah my um my, my initial reaction to seeing it was because the main poster didn't give me any information about it mm-hmm. um and i knew i was going to talk about this mm-hmm. so automatically my mind was thinking okay maybe it's like crouch tiger a hidden dragon in the sense where it's a period piece mm-hmm. where there's no special you know mystical aspects of the film mm-hmm. but just like as you said there there is quite a bit of that it's so, very very spiritual very mystical it's probably um maybe in you know the asian territory they release more stuff like this but i think it's a great thing that platforms like netflix and amazon uh given the fact that we can't actually go to cinema and sometimes if you release this in western cinemas it can die but with the benefit of it being right in front of you you can actually watch it at your leisure but it's uh the problem i have with it is that there's a lot of concepts in it in terms of uh, Chinese mythology that it doesn't take the time to explain whatsoever. It either assumes that you already know it because you're Chinese and you probably grew up with these stories or yeah, it's so thin, it's almost like, just go with it. But it's one of those ones, it's like the basic uh, story behind it of it is that you have this young master called um, Xing Ming. I think that I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's, uh, it's spelled Q-I-N-G. M-I-N-G, so I think that's Xingming, uh, who's recently appointed as the Ying Yang Master. And essentially, that's a, a particular sect of wizards or magicians or, uh, or priests. You know, they never really fully define it, but they specialize in a specific, specific type of magic where they create these circles. And the circles literally look like the Doctor Strange teleportation circles to the point where he's actually using it to teleport things through so at the very beginning he's being trained by his master and his master saying like you need to learn a good defense like it's not good and you will not become a master a true master a true yin yang master title drop um unless you learn a true defense but because he's so good at the teleportation magic he kind of tricks his defense it's like oh my defense is redirection that's my defense and his master's kind of like disappointed and saying like, yeah, it's not good enough to the point where it's to this detriment because a manifestation of the certain serpent demon appears, attacks his monastery and the, all of the other students put up their defensive magic. But because he's not strong in defensive magic and he tries to use the teleportation stuff, it breaks the barrier that they create, ends up leading to the, you know, the death, the poisoning and eventual death of his master. And it's almost like an early lesson for this character. It's like the movie does not wait to give you like an arc. You've got like a mini arc right at the beginning. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> So as he okay yeah sorry you was gonna say Ken no 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 keep keep going keep going keep going so uh, the movie moves on he eventually reaches the uh, imperial city because he's told by his master that this uh, the that was just that serpent that attacked him and poisoned him is just a manifestation of the demon it's not the de- true demon itself the true demon is actually housed within the empress is uh within the empress's body. So he's going to actually have to eventually go down there and actually kill the Empress to seal the uh, the demon. So he's down there. You're going to ask yeah. me something, Ken? Yeah, I was going to say, just to jump in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I've realized about the story so far, this story is trying to tick not one of the boxes, all the boxes oh, for, <laughs> to entice 
entertains everyone yeah. because what you got a revenge story from an arrogant uh, genius kid who thinks he doesn't have to do something mm -hmm. but the wise old master and you get the tragedy of everyone dying because of your stupidity yeah. and then you got the love story kind of then you got the friendship story yeah. and now you got the hero story and then the hero's arc dude they're literally ticking almost every single genre and I can imagine there's a bit of scary stuff or mysticism that makes you a bit worried and uneasy yeah Oh my gosh! So this is literally trying to capture, like, make all the money. <laughs> this, this film's trying to make. I'm about to single... say something, and this is not wild yet, right? But when he gets yeah. to the Imperial City and he meets all of the other masters from their different schools, he meets this other uh, young master called Master Boyar, and they actually um, like get into a fight over this demon that they come across, and the Yin Yang master uh, Xing Ming actually tries to stop Boyar from killing the demon because. It actually teaches a lesson of like your preconception of what things are, right? Because you hear the term demon, you automatically would think bad, right? But Xing Ming actually breaks down as like the only thing this demon has done, he hasn't killed anybody. It just stole this guitar, this, uh, you know, ancient Chinese instrument. Uh, and the reason why the demon did it is because he fell in love with a human and he used to love hearing her music. So they get into this fight because he's trying to protect this demon from being destroyed by um, the other young master and they have like a collision about it and throughout the story they have moments of distrust where you find out that Xing, um, Boyar put these um, these talismans all over Xing Min's bedroom to spy on him and it's like these audio talismans where um, and but Xing, uh, Xing Min already knew and he presents them to uh, Boyar Tony yeah are you sure to say in an anime because it's anime you as described heck. me. It's anime as Yo, heck. this is anime AF, man. Yeah. What? Yeah. Everything you're describing, I, I heard a little bit of Black Clover, I had a little bit of Naruto, I had mm. a little bit about everything, man. I'm like, yo, this is... It's crazy <laughs> anime. Saying animated? But it's not just anime, Ken. It's a little bit Western yeah. in the sense that the relationship between Boya and Xing Ming, because eventually when they kind of show their hands, like Xing Ming used the audio talisman to... I uh, know Xing Ming discovers the audio talisman that Boyar used to um to spy on him, but Boyar returns. It's like, wait, isn't these paper talismans yours? Aren't these like eye seeing ones? Like, and he said, like, yeah, you got me. I was spying you. Ah, I was spying on you too. Ah, you know what? I like you. I like you, bro. This draw, this movie draw, that reminded me yeah. of because I think this is where you're making the link between the Western. Yeah, that remind me of the Man of Uncle with um Arnie Hammer and um was the other guy yeah uh, um henry cavill when they were finding each other's uh bug devices in each other's rooms yeah and they were picking them out from like behind the lamp behind the bed and everything like See, oh I, these are yours i appreciate made. you ken for making that comparison because that is an accurate comparison it's a shame that you chose a really crap film i was actually saying it was actually closer <laughs> to Fast and the Furious. Right. Like, I'm watching it. The bromance is literally the first Fast and the Furious movie. It's like right. this adversarial nature where by the time it reaches the end, and I won't spoil it too much, it's like their relationship evolves to a point of going beyond life and death. Like, remember that scene in the last Fast and the Furious where you see O'Connor's spirit go one way and you see... Um, uh, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, Dominic Toretto go another way. It actually does that in reverse where life and death brings them even closer together in a very a very intimate bromance kind of way where they come together to defeat evil but this is the icing on the top ken this is where i relate it to naruto there's literally a fight on top of a giant snake aka orichimaru from naruto 
dude, already, man, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm sold. Like, if they haven't been marketing this to literally every single weeb mm-hmm. in the world, then... They haven't. Yeah, I, they, they messed up. I am, like, I am doing a better job marketing Netflix than they do. I've, I, I've spoken to somebody about it, but uh, Netflix will drop something. There's no ads. I don't see the ads anywhere. Like, I'm mostly on YouTube, but you you have to search for these, these trailers. Well, I think what they're trying to do is limit the amount that they're spending mm-hmm. on marketing. Yeah. Because when you think about it, they are consistently spending stupid, yes. I repeat, stupid amount of money on the production of a lot of their films mm-hmm. and TV shows. So what they don't want to do is put a lot of money in marketing. So they've been quite clever with it. They do do marketing mm-hmm. on little bits because even when we were talking about the, um, oh, what was the name of that show with um, Anthony Mackie? Who took on the new sleeve? Beyond the wire. Uh, al- 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 altered, altered carbon. Oh, altered carbon. Altered carbon. Yes. Yes. Right. It's so the marketing for altered carbon. Can't remember if you remember. He really likes being so in sci-fi these days, doesn't he? Oh no, no. He he's great. He's even got another film coming up. Yeah. Um. He the the marketing of altered carbon season two mm. was so minimal. It was like we didn't see it. It was. It was so minimal to the point where I remember us talking like, "Yo, is this actually going to drop?" Yeah. And then the marketing drops like a a day after that or the the trailer. Or the second trailer. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is what Netflix does, they don't rely on the traditional ways of marketing, no. like on Google searches or relying on YouTube. They use YouTube just to upload their videos. Yeah. That's it. Instead, what they do, they try and get as creative with their algorithm mm-hmm. on the app. Yeah. Because they know people are not going to search on YouTube or on YouTube or Google to see, what am I going to watch? Mm-hmm. To, or try to convince them to watch. All they'll do is just open their Netflix app. Yeah. So what they're doing is being as clever as possible yeah. to get the thing that people or the thing that they want people to watch on that home screen. Yeah. So just like I was saying how hopefully they're marketing to, you know, people that like this type of genre, weebs or like, like, like anime. Yeah. Most likely that they saw it like 20 times before they even thought about clicking play because of their creative algorithm. Yeah. That is their marketing. Their marketing is the algorithm, which is which is interesting because we've been talking about new age ways of trying to survive in 2020 or like different ways of um, doing business. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the traditional ways of marketing have gone away because yeah. before we, we would only know about a new TV show or a film if we were seeing trailers in a film, trailers on DVDs or trailers primarily on TV. Yeah. But we don't see any of that. Do you know what? The I missed ta- that The last though. time I saw a trailer, oh, it, it was always a vibe. Yeah. It was always a vibe. Remember VHS? Like, for, for those that don't know, uh, VHS is a format of media that was on a tape. And what tape is, is like a plastic synthetic material that's wound up, wound up and played. And what wound up means, I'm not going to get in deeper, but it used to be on VHS, right? And I used to get VHS tapes and watch the trailers. And I thought to myself, this is crazy. They're letting me see bits of movies that are not out yet. Is this even right. allowed? This is nuts. Not realizing right, that right. was like, that was a trailer's song. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is weird, man. Yeah. Like everything has changed. Because mm-hmm. um, the only way you can find trailers mm-hmm. naturally, and I say this wholeheartedly naturally, is when you come to the end of a series mm-hmm on Netflix or any other platform like that. Mm-hmm. For example, I finished um, Suits mm-hmm. the other day. Um, I had been watching Suits for years, yeah. but I only watched the final season recently. Yeah. Um, it got to the final episode, credits were rolling, everyone was crying, people were going their own separate ways. They were doing that traditional ending of a season or series type trope. Yeah. And then before the trailers had barely even started, 
they had three squares come up saying like, oh, you might be interested in this. Preview's about to start in 10, mm-hmm. 9, 8, and then it automatically played a trailer of something that I might be interested yeah. in. So it, it naturally showed the trailer. Yeah. And I think they've been trying to find creative ways to sneak in uh, trailers or anything like that. Yeah. For example, like um, on instagram and snapchat mm-hmm. that kind of feature of oh you tap something you get a little preview or something and you can scroll through it yeah um they include that feature into the uh mobile i'm not sure if it, they have it on the ipad no uh, it version, only seems or, to be on the mobile version, version the the, the, the right. ipad and the tablet version versus the tv versions they're not they're not great um i i don't know but the best version i've seen to find is the one on my phone where you can you can actually search through trailers which is great but um Going back to what we're talking about, the Yin Yang uh, Masters, I recommend it. I think it's a great watch. I can't wait for you, Ken, to actually uh, watch it so we can talk about it together. Um, I just like the way that it's so quintessentially Asian, very very Chinese in its stuff. But the fact that it used something like the teleportation thing that I've only really seen in Doctor Strange it would imply a certain level of fusion. But... Speaking of fusion, that leads me to our next movie called Space Sweepers, which I think it's a, it's a Korean film, uh, but it kind of like is a everywhere on the planet film in a very, very cool and natural way. Ken, do you, did you watch Space Sweepers? I didn't finish it. You didn't I got about it. halfway through and it's not because I didn't like it. I thought I, I like, just like <laughs> the way you described uh, this film, mm-hmm. the Yin Yang Master film, I f- like I, I remember pausing and being like, "Yo, I'm waiting for the anime opening theme song mm-hmm. <laughs> because that it, it's an anime once again, but just in front of it." Or it, it, it reminded me so much of the things that I enjoy from um, uh, different cartoons yeah. um, or different stories that I, I do like. It has the uh, oh, taking care of a, a a little child trope. It has the um, quirky comedy relief robot mm-hmm. uh who's also gen- gender neutral or you know has no gender yeah uh, then you have the uh the, the captain who's a badass mm-hmm. who, who's a who's a woman and then you have the uh the heavy type character who's abrasive but also the biggest softie yeah i mean it, 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 there's so many tropes that you see in like western asian yeah uh type films that are just rolled into one and once again just like the yin yang uh, Masters yeah. film they're trying to cram as much of the things that people love into one film see that's a very um, interesting yeah. point because I think a lot of that stuff has been actually been stolen aka co-opted by the Asian and I'll get to why but let's get back into Space Sweepers right so the basic plot of Space Sweepers is in, uh, set in the year 2092 Earth is mostly uninhabitable like trees are not really growing anymore but this um this kind of uh the uts corporation builds a new orbiting home like this almost like a mini planet slightly smaller than a a moon uh for you know humanity to live on but the only people that can afford to live there are what's known as citizen aka the only people that can afford to live there everybody else is either um on earth suffering or on uh, these other orbital stations where they work as what's known as a space sweeper. And what a space sweeper is, is uh, essentially like a, a miner. You're going through space because we reached a point where there's so much junk in space, like old satellites, decommissioned ships, um, you know, failed projects. These guys go in and they basically 
break down all of these abandoned pieces of tech in space to be sold off to make money and to make ends meet to survive and this particular crew uh where you've explained it you got the the lead guy who pretty much owns the ship you've got the the young sassy captain who's you know both good looking tough uh and will let you know about it um she's you know she's also i think cybernetically aug- uh, augmented uh, with her eye um yeah and you got this uh this full-on synthetic being which is a really cool character because um i'm gonna spoil this for you ken um do you what gender do you think that robot is uh the robot alludes that it's a female right yes. um uh but you know that that's not the gender that i would have associated yeah. with and i don't i don't know if that's because of what i've watched over the years but like um there was no distinct features of the robot however we have seen robots in the past that are clearly designed to be more feminine or more uh, masculine for example the robot from rogue one Mm -hmm. um that was if i was to guess that would have been um uh a male robot and then you had the one from the han solo film yes which looked female Mm -hmm. the more feminine but this one for me, I thought it would have been a, a male yeah. uh, robot, and even its voice was a male. Yeah, it's got a male uh, voice. Robot. It, it, you know, it would typically what you consider moves like, I don't know, male robot. I don't know how we define that, but um, a hey, robot. You find out later yeah. that the uh, the robot uh, has the desire to get synthetic graphs to actually become and look more human, uh, and it actually identifies as a as a female, which is which is interesting. It, they don't really delve into the concept of AI and what life is. It's just it's just another character. They don't have to bore you with that science. But the main hero of the story is Teho, who's a former commander of the Space Guards and the first ever UTS genius. So essentially, he was part of their elite military force, like Space SWAT, and. He was part of the company, man. He was part of the, the company line. You go in, if there's illegal immigrants, you wipe them out. There wasn't like, take them back to Earth. You just wipe them out. But he developed a conscience, a conscious when he uh, one of the ships that he was supposed to take out had a young girl there and his, her family died. He took her in, raised her, and eventually became a dad. Um, but what messed him up because of that experience, he couldn't kill for the company anymore. So they kicked him out took all of his money he was extremely successful because of his genius status so they kicked him out took all of his money he was out there in the space streets raising this girl and unfortunately he inadvertently loses her uh we are to believe that she's somewhere floating this space dead and he's basically spending spends the rest of his life with what little money he has he gets a crew together gets a ship together but they're constantly in debt because all his money is going towards um, basically recouping her body from space before she drifts out of orbit straight into the black and he will never see her again and he's he's racked by his guilt you find out his guilt his guilt is actually deeper than what he lets on because he actually did something really messed up uh but yeah that's the the, the main lead Te- uh, Teho. uh you got captain jang which you, you know the young tough lady with the cybernetic augmentations uh, you got uh, Tiger Park, who's the ship's mechanic. He's the he's the you know the heavy. He's he's a tough guy, but with a heart of gold. He's very very sweet. Um, yeah. You've got Robot Bubs, who you know is kind of like the 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 extra muscle. That his he 
that's the robot she should i say is the one that basically does the dirty work on top of the ship while it's moving in space throwing harpoons to catch other ships and take them in to be decommissioned um and you also got a you know um the main villain, James Sullivan, played by Richard Armitage. You may know him as Thorin Oakenshield from uh, the Hobbit series and also the voice of um, uh, the main character in Castlevania. Uh, he plays a very generic villain, I would say. Very one-dimensional. I'm so genius and my genius is evil, but there's a reason for my genius. And the reason is cool is just that the dialogue he's given is not great it, it wasn't written uh by western <laughs> by the west <laughs> i'd see uh, that that's that, that's what i got from it see it wasn't written by the west that's the interesting thing right and that's why i actually mentioned this in terms of the fusion now this is the crazy thing about the thing is like if anybody's seen the anime uh the great pretender um the even though this movie is korean it acknowledges the cast members in the film that are not korean speakers so exactly you have yeah. You know, people that are Chinese, French, Korean, um, African. Um, that black guy does a terrible whatever accent of Africa. I don't know. Yep, yep. It, it was horrible. It was really yeah. bad. Um, but that's the thing is like they establish a rule in the film that they have these um, international uh, international communicators that translate for them. So you can speak your native tongue and it translates for you. So the characters all know what they're, they're each other is saying, but they don't, they're not actually speaking the same language. And obviously with the audio, tra audio track that you choose as the audience to watch it, um, I had a bit of an issue, right? Which is, is something that didn't really make sense. So when these days I actually have a hard time watching uh, subtitled films because I just don't have the time. I'm doing a lot of things. So sometimes it's easier for me to just watch something dubbed. But at the very beginning when, uh, the main character Tae Ho um, goes to um, get money. He he turns in some rice. Um, if you play the movie in uh, the English audio track, the the dubbing. So he's dubbed over in English, but for some reason, uh, the seller at the beginning is speaking German, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this must be part of the story. The character must be German, um, but it clearly looks like it's dubbed over thing that makes it worse is that there's no subtitles so i'm like am i not supposed to know what that person's saying is that like a part of a plot point right i found that weird yes i found that very weird but you know what's yeah. even weirder ken if you actually mm. take it back to the original korean where you know you, you're supposed to just watch it uh subbed that character is speaking in perfect english like it's actually an english person <laughs> what yeah, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense and the only way to actually understand oh. what that person is saying is basically change the audio track, uh, change the subtitles to closed caption, so it uh, describes everything. So it's it was really really weird. I don't know why they did that. So um yeah, that's weird. I've never seen that before. So, but yeah, uh, tell me what did you, how did you find the film, Ken? Um yeah no it, it was good. Um I couldn't help but compare it to uh, Firefly or any space bounty or space, a group of people getting together to, well, just do stuff in space. It reminded me of Cowboy Bebop, um, remind me of Outlaw Star. Like there were so many, uh, there's like a crew, a motley random group of people coming together to just do something. Remind me of Dark Matter, mm -hmm. like in different aspects. Uh, because they well mainly Firefly because you had the little girl in Firefly who um, 
uh, I can't remember her name, but she was the sister of the doctor of the ship. Yeah. And she was special. Mm-hmm. And she ends up being the reason why some people were chasing them. Yes. Not everyone, but... And seeing, okay, is it worth it? Should we take these people on? Should we just drop them off? Mm-hmm. And then you get to this film and it's almost the same premise. He's got the... Uh, the tough guy that's in both films you've got the main captain that's hard as nails has to take decisions yeah. then you've got the soft the soft uh character who's just like oh no let's let's care I, i'm doing this for, for soft reasons yeah and you know and then you've got the uh super powered um amazing little character yeah well when, you know firefly she was a bit more grown compared to the little girl in the show yeah i mean in this film but it it still followed that kind of trait. It, it ticked those boxes, yeah. but it just added its own spin and uh, uh, culture to it. Yeah. And that's one thing I realized about really good TV shows and really good films, mm-hmm. where the antagonist, well, the main antagonist usually ends up having a face, yeah. but the main uh, so the, the main physical antagonist ends up having a face, but the actual antagonist is just a product of the environment. Yeah. So people are in situations or people are struggling in certain ways because of the environment that they're living in. Yeah. People are fighting each other or battling for scraps because that's the environment they live in. Um, there's a bad guy that is doing bad things uh-huh. because he's taking advantage of the environment. So I think when developing stories like this or anything, I always look to see how well they develop the uh, um how they uh, world build mm-hmm. because world building completely defined that that sets it away from just swapping out the environment but you mean because space i've seen so many stories building since there's no world. space building because there's worlds mm-hmm. building because we have different uh groups mm-hmm. um so i i think when we focus on uh well space building worlds building mm-hmm. um it makes it so much easier to um what am i trying to say makes it so much easier to tell a story yeah. because it's like, all right, cool. These are people just interacting with the world. Yeah. It grounds you. Like it gives you a certain like kind of like grabbing on point because, you know, with, with a lot of these like fantastical things, it's um, you're, you're expected to suspend a lot of disbelief and without the things there to ground you like character and character development, uh, you're kind of just, kind of just uh you're, you're floating in space you know um as it were so you know so to speak yeah, yeah. so it's, it's like it's one of those ones it's like i'm disappointed that the 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 villain was so lacking because his only motivation was basically to guarantee the destruction of earth so everybody goes to mars because the main the main MacGuffin is the child right the the little child that they find floating in space they're lied to by the media that it's uh, this sophisticated robot that will uh, detonate and blow up and kill you. So if you see it, run away. Uh, the truth is the young girl was part of a, an experiment that went wrong, but not in the worst kind of way. It had the consequences of she was treated with these nanomachines and those nanomachines evolved whereby she can communicate with other nanomachines. Uh, hence, like something like forcing a plant to grow. So releasing the nanomachines onto the plant and actually forcing the plant to grow. The the experiment, uh, the main villain realized that, oh, I can use her to complete my uh, expansion of Mars because we need to colonize there because Earth is finished. 
But the crazy thing is, that's not the truth. Like he can actually use her to save Earth as well, to actually fix fix the ecology of Earth. But he, because of his messed up backstory, where there was so many wars, and because of those wars, his family was killed right in front of him. And humanity sucks. Humans suck. They all should die. But I'm only taking the best of the best. You know, the 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 true people. You know, that just happen to be rich as well. But I'm taking them to Mars. But what I need to do is that I need to destroy Earth. I'm going to actually drop that um, space satellite that I built. I'm going to drop it on Earth, kill everybody. And I'm going to restart life on Mars. But I can't let people know that there's a chance that we can actually fix Earth. So that's it. That's his, his motivation. It's, a, it's one of those ones when you really think about it, given good dialogue, it, it could be a rich, complex backstory unfortunately it's it's delivered as best it can by richard Armitage, but he's not given anything on the page to really work on uh but besides from that i had fun with the film it's like a really good fun um great visuals some of the best uh cg work that i've seen come out asia let alone um even like the uh, america they really they really took their time with this it's, uh, it's visually stunning i love the representation of space like they kind of skirt the line between showing true physics and um kind of fudging mm. certain physics but it, it, in an entertaining way um it kind of reminded me of the expanse um i like most yeah. of the characters um the, the leads problem i had with the film is that the inconsistent tone at times it went from very you know straight and somber and very emotional to almost like a cartoon but not in a way that is an evolution or commits to one way or the other. It just seems with one minute is trying to be um, a space drama. The next minute is trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy, which is fine. But then it goes into kind of Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy, where it's really silly. Um, yeah. So that inconsistent tone is like pick a lane. You know, I'm 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 down for the ride. Just you know, pick a lane. That's the problem I have with it. What about you, Ken? Um. Yeah, I see what you mean, man. Like, it, I, I think it's suffering from something that we've we've all noticed with, uh, well, just how things have been getting better, how people uh, consume media. I, I think it's, I, I enjoy personally. I enjoy TV series more so than films, mainly because you have enough time and space to develop the world or develop the story that you're trying to tell. Um. But then again, there are certain types of uh forms of revealing something that can make it that more enjoyable because you get anthology series that are only like 20 minutes half an hour episodes even five minute episodes for certain things that kind of leave you wanting for more but they still tell a complete story um with this film it's kind of in a weird place where it's it's relatively long yeah but it's trying to tell its story but there's so much more that it could be doing mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the space to do it yeah uh, so does that mean it'll be great as a TV series where it has quite a few episodes to kind of flesh out what's going on to have that lovely crescendo at the end? Mm -hmm. Or maybe would it be nice as a one-off anthology series where it shows us one really, really good aspect of this universe? Yeah. But, you know, with it being as long as it is, um, it tried to do its best to give us all of that. Yeah. But, you know... It, with that length is, is so much difficult yeah. not saying it's a bad film i, I really enjoyed it uh, or i've enjoyed it so far mm. and i have a funny feeling how it's going to end yeah um i i, I just would prefer if it was a tv series yeah um yeah yeah uh so 
on that note, um, it's one of those ones. I did want to talk about uh, this last movie called Monster Run, but I, watching it, I in retrospect, it wasn't a great film. Uh, interesting premise. I won't bore you with it, but it's just about a, a guy that's a monster hunter and monsters exist. And he he's not great at it. And this girl that has a destiny uh to one day be some sort of something it's just a very bland movie but great visuals good fun uh but it's it's nothing of consequence but speaking of consequences though i think with the advent and the uh, the rising quality of asian filmmaking especially out of places like korea uh, you know Hong Kong Hong Kong's always, always like strive for quality but they didn't have the, the level of spectacle that you see with big budget Hollywood movie they're starting to now Has, case in point with things like Ying Yang Master um, right I think it's led to to influences uh, where we benefit from things like Crazy Rich Asians I watched that for the first time last year had a really great time with that film I think it's one of those ones it's like it's it ended up being just a rom-com that happened to star asian actors it wasn't the case that it's asian 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 sure yeah it's got that backdrop of being in an asian country and the asian uh lifestyle of being rich and powerful but they were characters first and i think that's a good way to go because i think it was primarily i think uh a, a hollywood production but i think things are kind of the edges are blurring in terms of like uh, Asian money uh, and financing and uh, Western production. Like, there's a lot of money in Asia. That's why a lot of companies are actually financing Western movies. Like, case in point with uh, a lot of the Marvel movies. Like, have you ever noticed where you know there's an arbitrary inclusion of an Asian actor? Uh, Is to cater to that territory. It's because there's yeah. a financial obligation to you know present more diversity to these territories where they can unfortunately um feed off of if you know lack of better word um but you know you got yeah you see it a lot with um you see a lot with well a lot of the recent Mm -hmm. big budget films where they oh now we're in china oh and now we're back to where we was just randomly Um, there's no real reason but i think that's good and bad because obviously it seems like it's pandering but it kind of like seems like that's exactly what it is <laughs> it, it is pandering but the, the 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 consequences of that is that it's normalized seeing ethnic faces specifically um asian faces where we have things like crazy rich asians and we got things to look forward to in the future like shang chi master of kung fu which is coming out uh, out of marvel studios where not to say that you know i i'm a cynical guy but we're go- you're going to contend with the racists out there saying like oh this is the you know the asian agenda or the you know pc police you know but no like it's an asian character you know and it's played by an asian actor it's not like kung fu where you got david Carradine playing an asian character written by an asian creator bruce lee you know, straight up stolen. It's like, no, they're paying respect. Marvel, obviously, being a white company, you know, you can't really hide it. Stan Lee was a white man. Um, Him, uh, you know, they they birthed this character of Shang-Chi, which was, you know, Kung Fu exploitation, Asian exploitation, of course, because Bruce Lee was hot at the time and everybody was capitalizing. But the benefit now is that you got yeah. Simi Lu, uh, is it Simi Lu or Simi Yu, um, that is playing 
Shang Chi myself, and I actually really enjoy that actor. He's in um, um, Kim's Convenience, absolutely brilliant um, sitcom, which is the same thing. It's like an Asian family in Canada, and it's one of those one. The beauty of it is that it's a story about a family that owns a store that happens to be Asian. It's not like just oh Asian for the sake of it, or we're you know we're trying to pander to you. It's like no. There's different ethnicities in the world that happen to live in other places other than where they originate from. And they have lives. Their lives is not completely dependent on the color of their skin. So, you know, maybe not do something like every time you do something like Indiana Jones, there's the token Asian guy. And the only thing about him is that he's got an Asian accent. Yeah, um, I, I, we've seen it over the years where you just... Uh tokenizing certain groups of people yeah. which is you know it played its part in those stories mm-hmm. but we, we're seeing the new generation where we're just allowing other cultures not even just um people of certain skin colors yeah. but backgrounds and cultures and religions just having their own films just regular people just doing regular stuff yeah. that you may or may not know telling regular stories yeah. you know like um i remember um now this this is uh slightly different but um, but it does relate. Um, I remember Chris Rock making a joke about OJ, mm-hmm. and then um, and, and uh, when when he won, he he made the joke of, well, obviously this is it's quite grim, but uh, he made the joke of, okay, we know that we're making progress mm-hmm. because you know OJ beat the case, yeah. you know, which is he it wasn't for, down for OJ. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, OJ, <laughs> oh that guy did it, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I guess we can win cases now. Yeah. We are making progress. Yeah. And I relate that to this where like certain groups um, can break out from that stereotypical, oh, you're that token Asian person, that token black guy, yeah. that token Indian person. It's like, oh, oh, huh, we could finally make films that are trash mm-hmm. or even good, yeah. you know, but not be uh, tokenized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for yeah. it. I. I don't get the uh, backlash some people might have from it because, mate, we've had literally decades of um, films that uh, didn't have certain faces on yeah. it or only express certain faces yeah. in a in a certain type of way. So seeing all these films or projects coming forward, yeah. uh, we had Black Panther that came out. We ha- are having Shang-Chi, Crazy, uh, Crazy Rich uh, Asians and a plethora of different films that have come out recently, like the one with Issa Rae and uh, the Indian dude. I've got his name. It came out in um, Aziz. Where they no, it's ca- not Aziz. Uh, that is the uh, Kan uh, Kan Kamil Nanjani. Right, that dude, and they had their their, their amazing romantic film yeah. where you saw a black woman and the Indian guy um, having their own quarrels and having a horrible situation bring them closer together, yeah. which is something that you see all the time, mm-hmm. but not with these faces. Yeah. And it was just like they're just regular people just doing regular things in regular crazy situations. Yeah. Um, they could have been any and, race uh, whatsoever. They could have been any race, yeah. and and that's so that's so beautiful. Yeah. So I, I'm really liking that. You know, we're finally infusing. Um, well, it's it's weird because we have the archetype or or the uh, stereotypical aspects of certain cultures yeah. still making films, but now less so it being tokenized, but more respectful. Yeah. And then we have the other side of it where people that are from the West, that their origins are from, well, not the West, yeah. using, well, just, just assimilating or just living life like they normally mm-hmm. do in the West. Yeah. So you have the uh, cultural side of, of certain 
of certain groups mm-hmm. but then you have the well that's my background yeah. but i'm american or i'm britain or or british or i'm french yeah. and i'm just living my life here just doing regular things not being a representative of my entire nation therefore i have to speak a certain type of way act a certain way or anything yeah. which is nice it, it just shows that people are more than uh their background but also their background is something that make them who they yeah. are um respectfully so yeah no, so it, it's all it is one of those ones it's always like a beautiful thing um seeing the the evolution of one industry into another and like that kind of um that kind of like sharing you know like the movies that i mentioned is a, there's a great sharing between the the western filmmaking and the asian filmmaking and storylines and sometimes is uh is is to the benefit of all around you know because we get things like um Doctor Strange, which is definitely, you can tell from the film, has definitely got Asian influences and, you know, something a bit more overt like Shang-Chi. But there's sometimes there's consequences where it's like, it's to the benefit of some people, but to the detriment of others. Case in point, Power Rangers, right? Now, we all know Power Rangers. We all grew up with Power Rangers. But most people don't know that Power Rangers is actually a combination of Western ideologies and eastern sensibilities whereby they've actually the whole idea and creation of power rangers that uh, a guy called haim saban who was actually a music producer went down to china uh, saw this show called super sentai and say hey i like this i like this fighting stuff i like the superhero stuff <laughs> with the spandex and the tightness i'm gonna take this i'm gonna slap on a couple of western uh, faces on it and you know i'm gonna create a new show called power rangers and that's what they did yeah and yeah problem i have with power rangers looking back to it because i loved it as a kid you know but there are problems with it uh, case in point is the tokenization of the characters so the black ranger was a black person the yellow ranger was an asian person you know the red ranger just the girl was was the pink. girl was pink right but you know i'm just saying that's not really tokenization but cool like the red ranger could have easily been a native american like in terms of like oh it's red so it's a red indian or it could have been somebody that's country so they called it a redneck but do you know what's the biggest problem i had with power rangers that nobody seems to mention or notice right is alpha five out not because the way he was talking the way mate the way he was talking i don't know yeah. man i feel kind of racy i feel kind of no, racy alpha five is fine. the issue was the white yeah. power ranger now ken the white power ranger white yeah power ranger uh, like i don't know if that's a stretch I'm, bro. No, I'm just saying <laughs> might be i'm just stretch. saying anybody could have become the white power ranger but it was a white person He's literally dressed in white and black, white tiger. It's like, I'm, I'm just saying, man. It's like, because you know what the crazy thing is? I think they knew because subsequent Power Rangers, any time they actually had um, a white version, a white ranger, like, you know, they always have the sixth ranger. They never refer to it as a Power Ranger. The Power Rangers stopped after those first couple of seasons. Obviously, you had Space Ranger stuff, but they always referred to it as a different name, as like the, the, uh, the future ranger or the cosmic ranger they never actually mentioned the white part of it because they knew it's like oh shit we call it the white power ranger <laughs> white yeah, yeah, power yeah. and because the thing is it makes you look extra bad because you literally did black for the black ranger they learn and actually changed the black ranger uh into a cha- uh, asian actor and now you know the, the the asian actor is the new black ranger but it's like 
Nah, man, it's too late. I saw that. I saw what you did there. It, it, it's, it's, it's a weird situation because they always refer to each other like, oh, the Blue Ranger, the Yellow yeah. Ranger, the Black Ranger, the Red, and so on and so forth. And later on, you, you think about it with other um, cartoons mm. or other child shows where they have uh, characters that are defined by a colour mm. or visibly defined by a character, yeah. uh, but by a colour, and they never refer to the colour. Yeah. Like for example, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they don't refer to it as the as, as the red turtle or the the blue no, turtle, got their the purple names, turtle, the green know, turtle. Michelangelo, they got their names. It's like you know, it's like yeah, Power yeah. Rangers be like, yeah, oh my god, we need to get away, we need to go, Rangers. Hey, Black Ranger, my name is Zach. I know, but Black Ranger, we need to go. I'm the Blue Ranger now. No, you're not. You're the Black Ranger. Mm, yeah, you even see it in uh, um, Voltron, mm-hmm. which is uh, an amazing show as well. And they don't refer to themselves as the oh, oh the, the the blue whatever whatever. The only time that they refer to the colors is when they're talking about the lions yeah. or the black lion, the red the red lion, the uh, blue lion, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Um, and they were quite mixed up with who controlled yeah. what. You know, it wasn't for, for any. Gen- I think it's when you move away from calling someone by a color and refer to them more so as just a person yeah. or whatever. Maybe their excuse was oh they're trying to save their secret identity and whatever. Mm-hmm. But then they could have given them different um, different titles. Mm-hmm. Maybe colors refer to rank yeah. or or positions. That would have been better. Yeah. But to just call someone straight up, oh, the this color yeah. and that color, when we know color is so divisive yeah. and political uh, when it comes to these type of stories. But no, like, I, I remember it vividly. And you saying it, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. People are just like, oh, yeah, that's the White yeah. Ranger. It's like, would you say? <laughs> it's like, no, it wasn't but, just you know, the White well, Ranger. It was the White Power Ranger. White Power. The White Power Ranger. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> it, saying that out loud doesn't it sounds sound mad, right? It sounds mad. That's why they, they stopped it saying that crazy. stuff. But um, because eventually they started calling him the White Tiger Ranger. Yeah, okay, a lot right. of people forget that. But um, it's one of those ones. Do you know what? I, I'll say one more thing mm. on this. Um, I, I think also because I don't know how much um influence they had from Asia with, with this, but there there is a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication between different. Uh, countries and different productions mm-hmm. so something that might be fine in one culture might be abhorrent might be horrible in another yeah. so someone saying a particular thing might be like oh yeah that's fine well that's the thing you know though. super come, sentai was come different to power rangers they didn't they weren't referred to in japan where you know that first season uh we mm-hmm. got it mm-hmm. wasn't even the first season it was technically i think the ninth season of super sentai in japan um obviously all of those actors are japanese so you don't have to worry about xenophobia um and exactly. the cases they weren't called the Power Rangers, they were called uh, Super Sentai. I forget the uh, the abbreviation, but um, even the re- the references to their color is like um, you don't have to worry about the Black Ranger being black because he's Japanese. You know, you don't have to wor- you know you don't have to worry about the White Power Ranger because he's not a White Power Ranger. He's the Super Sentai white, but he's Asian. Yeah. So it's one of those when the translation to the Western came with a few unfortunate racist connotation um but speaking of racist connotation uh i wanted to speak on nollywood and hollywood right now it's uh it's black history (laughs) month okay and you know i feel like we need to champion uh black media and the case in point um is nollywood movies it's one of those ones they've been kind of 
typecast in a way uh and and kind of mocked in a way of being schlocky and cheap but i think in recent years i've seen that pr- production value increase that care to a, a good story increase uh you know i remember back in the days of watching like really schlocky films like blood money and blood money 2 you know really cheap films do you know how do you know how i saw those films how do you like to compare it until uh, uh to, to recent yeah. times i saw those films like um uh youtube yeah they were like it was like YouTube, but for Nigerians right. or Africans, because back in that day, it was literally anyone that had a small budget yeah. and a camera, yeah. with any you know, sound effects you get from a keyboard mm. or or any free media you can find online yes. just to put together your film, yeah. um, and that's what we see a lot on YouTube: people with incredibly small budgets doing their best to portray a film. Yeah. But in this case, it's the wild, wild west. Anyone can put anything forward. And that's how we got very schlocky, very poor, mediocre uh, films and TV shows because it was just like, all right, cool, we have a camera. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and the reason why they became so popular is because um, Africa wanted something that they could call their own. So they... They got they got behind, you know, our blood money, number thirteen. Yeah. Like, you know, because it's like, yo, that's this is not Hollywood, it's not Bollywood, this is this is nothing else but this is ours, yeah. this is Nigerian, this is African. So let's let's push it. And then it gave some of these producers uh, uh the power and the buying power yeah. to say, Yeah, we're gonna keep doing this and keep making um bad yeah. films. But sometimes they got better. Yeah. And over time, as technology has improved and as widespread uh, media can mm. be and learning of new techniques can yeah. be and how easy it is to learn these techniques, it has led to what I think you're going to talk about yeah. now, which is much better quality uh, Nollywood yeah, films. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I think it was similar to Bollywood where it was a volume game. It wasn't necessarily... You hoped for the quality, right? You know, that you had creators out there and actors that wanted to tell a, a story that's quintessentially theirs, quintessentially Nigerian, African, and something that the people there understood you know from the western lens you can look at it and poke fun of it but some of these stories are cultural tent poles that makes sense to them that is funny to them that is serious to them that is emotional to them us looking on the outside you know i have to admit i am very westernized because i spent most of my life here looking on the inside i i you know where i'm from i'm from congo and we have these things known as uh, theater which is basically equivalent to a sitcom it's like a a single shot kind of movie in a room and the story's just told there you know very very low budget because you know money wasn't really put into the arts like that growing up but i think with the advent of nollywood and a lot of the young creators young actors um that have been in the game watching the old stuff watching the ridicule and the disrespect but also the love because there has been love there's like there has been true love for those films that might not be the most visually stunning, but they told a story that people cared about, right? There's millions Cinderella stories. There's a million stories about, you know, betrayal of, uh, you know, love and friendship. And there's a million um, coming right. of riches yeah. stories. And obviously there's a billion more stories of demonic possession and spiritual um, soul sucking. But I think it's reached a point where, for better or for worse, a bit of a westernization where, the crazy thing is a lot of people our generation that are going back are westernized but they are coming with their knowledge to produce and their financing abilities or their abilities to actually gather greater finances to tell stories on a bigger scale but with that bigger scale they're increasing in terms of mainstream appeal so they might be telling what you consider more mainstream stories but 
with that mm. is coming mm. with a certain level of quality is still quintessentially African because you've got African actors playing African characters being written as African but just the unique perspective of that some of them might be born and bred Africans some of them might be western uh, westernized but is that melding in the middle where you're creating something new and I think the hope that I want to see is that I want to see the next do you know what I would love to see that will blow my mind is something equivalent to kind of District 9. Like District 9 was kind of like the first big budget South African sci-fi film, right? And yeah, even considering budgets, right, in terms of Hollywood is pretty low budget, but you had talented people uh, with great financing and great um, engineering skills to create something that was visually stunning that stands up in, a, in the test of time. I can't wait to, yeah. you know, see a sci-fi focus nollywood movie or just african movie produced and great production value right great writing great acting all you know african casting like and it just kind of blows it out of the water i think we're getting there it's yeah. been slow going there's been obstacles and i think a lot of these young talented creators have found found ways to find the right fan finances and partners to create greater things than before i'm not necessarily going to say better because you know, sometimes more money is not indicative of uh, greater quality, uh, but bigger things where it says, oh, my God, this thing has got that glitz and glamour. The story is not great, but that makes me aspire to do something on that level, but with a better story. I think raising the bar makes all of us better. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree any further. Um, and also what we've noticed as well is because that's not like in Africa, there are not a lot of cinemas mm. in Africa. Yeah. Um, but one thing we have seen having a bigger surge is just online media. Yeah. So a lot more people are, cause my dad be watching Nigerian films straight out of YouTube, yeah. like on, on loop. It's no longer relying on TV solely mm. to watch African films. Um, and you know, we don't have to rely solely on cinemas to watch brand new films as we've seen in the last few months. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's now opened up uh, exposure for people to actually just release stuff in a more open space yeah. because a lot of these Nollywood films are now being released directly to streaming platforms and the quality of yes. them are best for streaming platforms. Let's not lie. They're not big budget films that need to go to yes. cinema. And I think a lot of that money coming from uh, streaming platforms is so much... Uh, it will benefit the nation so much more yeah. because it's not relying on the big big budget. Oh, we have to go to the cinema. It has to break certain uh, uh, figures, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And just like you said, with with, with quality, I, I've noticed it with um, different industries. Mm -hmm. I, I see it more like terraforming. Yeah. You know, planet is completely dead. No atmosphere. No water. Whatever, whatever. You know, that's that's phase mm -hmm. zero. There's there's nothing there. And then we have fully formed mm -hmm. Earth. I, I see like these different production companies or even this industry in different countries as, you know, terraforming. Like what stage are we yeah. on? Do we have an, an atmosphere? Nigeria had to go through or Africa had to go through a lot of growing pains. Yeah. They're, they're only now gaining atmosphere. They're soon going to breed life. They're still going to still going to have trees. They're going to be more realistic. And we're seeing it more so on uh, Netflix and different places yeah. like that we're still growing it's going to be an so exciting when, time i think people compare it's it. going to be exciting time oh it's going to be when, going when to be there's more creators that are, are more able due to you know having more money in the pockets to do those 
grander ambitious stuff because we're getting it slowly we're getting things like you know there's a there's a couple of um african slash south you know even south african um productions like i think there's a series um i forgot what it's called but it's like very um mystical infused but also like an action gangster f- uh, movie and like you're seeing the production yeah. value there it's not it's not the most amazing but it's getting there and it's basically from that is it's finances looking at that and say like oh there's a market there like i see that quality and i know you know if i partner with the right person i can i can take it to another level and my hope is one day we see something on the on the level if not beyond black panther but is coming straight out of africa be it nigeria be it south africa you know any any country that's in a position to become like the new korea because korea had their renaissance their renaissance came in the yes. early 2000s oh my lord and i can't yeah. wait for and i think every every so often there is an african renaissance when it comes to film and we're getting there slowly but that big punch where you're saying like oh my god have you seen the african uh equivalent to the avengers that stuff that was crazy they're using like you know the um they're using like african mythology for their storytelling because i love that stuff that's one of the influences for my comic book of your comic and i can't wait to see that and you know if i find myself in the position where i can facilitate that i'll be a very lucky man i think i could die very happy um and i I can't wait for that but just to wrap up the show again um well i I was going to comment on one more film just to connect some of this um because we're talking about how some of these industries can, um, sorry yeah. about that, uh, how many some of these industries can come out of uh, their their corners and actually reach wider media or, or the wider populace. Mm. Um, the one film, I think it was a Korean film, Parasite, yeah. that uh, won the um, Academy yes. Award. Um, that that right there was such a flex for the entire mm. nation, like for the entire country, because it was like, all right, cool we can make films we've been making great media we have so many korean tv shows mm. uh, uh so many films that is like them reaching stage three of terraforming the earth yes. where like we we are now being nominated and not just nominated winning academy awards um from a from another country that we don't even yeah. need to be recognized at because we're successful by ourselves you know we're just still waiting for that quality and, and, and that uh, emphasis and it doesn't have to be supernatural however there are so many amazing stories just like you said from Africa that are supernatural yeah. that are you know rooted in something great um, and yeah it's just us getting together and just just ha- getting it done and yeah soon come yeah. soon come I'm, I'm excited to see what happens uh, maybe by you making your comic will influence someone in Africa to make something similar to what you're that making or use it to make their own that story That'll be yeah, so man. sick. That'll be amazing. So Ken, it's that time. It's that time to play a game. What game? Okay. Welcome to um, What's It All About, Kenny. Oh, here we go. So, simple rules. I'm going <laughs> to give go you again. some titles. <laughs> this is going to be quick oh fire. Uh, I'm going to give you some titles right. of uh, African films. Right. And I want you right. to give me a very quick brief synopsis of what you think it may be. Cool. First one cool. is... Let's do it. Nigerian Prince. What's it all about, Kenny? Obviously, it's coming to America, but Nigeria. Mm-hmm. He goes off to America or Britain to find himself uh, a wife, mm-hmm. but for some reason, his dad is against it. 
So he scoops his wife and then it causes drama and he tries to bring her back to bring in the wife. And for some reason, she has drama and he ends up having not one, but three, three wives as the prince just before he becomes king. I like that. That's pretty close. Um, so, Oh, really? Damn. It, it, I was waffling. Kind of, kind of. But it's a young, stubborn American teenager sent to Nigeria by his mother. His cousin's scamming businesses uh, becoming viable, uh, and it becomes a viable option to secure a flight back home. Uh, next one. Wild. <laughs> Hire a cool. woman. Cool, let's go. What's it all about, Kenny? A prostitution, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why else would you... Uh... Say in that yeah. form, hire a yes. woman. Well, why would you ever hire? Well, obviously, there's a lot of reasons to hire a yeah. woman. But let's just go with that original. Maybe someone is looking to make ends meet, and then for some reason they're using their body to, uh, to, uh, to do yes. so. Okay, so and it's a deeper, a de- it's a deeper idea of like, okay, cool. How can I help this woman? I'm a hirer to get out of this situation so she can be my wife. Do you blah, know blah, that blah. might be the deeper plot point in the story? But no, you're not even close. Wow. Um, the the actual premise is. Uh, an uptight man attempts to make his ex-girlfriend jealous when he pays his co-worker to act as his lover at a university reunion. Now, that's all kinds of hashtag me too problems right there. But all kinds of hijinks. I actually want to watch that. So I am going to add that to my list. So next one is <laughs> right. Chief Daddy. What is what's it all about? What Chief Daddy? What's it all about? Say chief, 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 chief daddy. You gotta say it with the accent, chief, chief, chief daddy. daddy. Okay, clearly he's trying to be the. Uh, oh, maybe it's a play on the word of Mac mm-hmm. Daddy and Chief. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a chief of his village, or he's trying to be chief of his village, but trying to scoop all the babes. He's trying to have all the women just by his name being Chief. I really appreciate the attempt, but not close. Uh, when a wealthy patriarch oh, unexpectedly he unexpectedly drops dead. His money crazed family, friends, and staff scrambled to his billionaire fortune. Uh, that seems like a cool one as well. I'm, I might actually add that to the list. That sounds like a, some funny one. Next one is Lagos Real Fake Life. Lagos Real Fake Life. It sounds like it's a premise for a show. For, for a- tv show to come almost like a truman show like oh yeah come over here it's great mm-hmm. here and like nah nah i'm just gonna take it to the deeper cd dark alleys of lagos and then you're not you're seeing the real fake aspect of it mm-hmm. all yeah just where, where, where our roads are lined with fraud and 419s at every single corner that's actually Obviously pretty not. close in a way so two mooching friends vie for the attention of wealthy beautiful women only to discover that their lavish lifestyle are bogus some Fugazi going on. <laughs> now, this is the last one. Fugazi. Ken. I thought this one was really right, fun. Uh, because, just saying it sounds funny. King of Boys. King of Boys. Oh, that could mean <laughs> anything. It could be a, a coming of age uh, film yeah. for, for, for young Nigerian boys. Or it could be um, a character that is the... Uh, uh, the leader of a group of boys that are just fools, mm-hmm. like grown ass men that act, just doing a, uh, dumb yes. things. Whether it be crime, whether it be trying to chase girls, whether it might yeah. be scamming people, might be um, you know running a business. 
but it sounds like something that's quite playful that they're a group of people that are led by this one person that are trying to have fun in some aspects mm. like the ones i just mentioned okay what so that's actually a pretty good premise i would actually like to watch that film but uh king of boys right. is when a powerful businesswoman uh political ambitions are threatened by her underworld connections the ensuing power struggle could cost her everything i don't know how that relates to the movie king of boys that title uh but that seems like a pretty cool premise just somebody was not they flip the script this yeah they flip the script yeah they weren't thinking with that (laughs) name but um ken no that is our show i had a really great time um yeah, it was yeah. good. I want to urge everybody listening that's gotten to this point. Like I said at the beginning, we would appreciate a follow, a like, a share, anything that you can do to help us grow. We will appreciate. But first and foremost, we thank you for listening to us with you today. And this is me signing out. Peace. Adios, people.